1420 WBSM presents Ray Lance and the USA Wealth Group alongside Phil Paleologos. Get your finances in order. MoneyWise starts now. Good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen. I can't tell you how thrilled I am to every Sunday be next to somebody who does so much in our community, Ray Lance of USA Wealth Group, and of course, somebody I am truly in love with, Jenny, who is here in studio. Ray, it's always a pleasure to be uh, alongside you. Thank you very much, Phil. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to MoneyWise. MoneyWise is brought to you every Sunday morning, right after the 8 o'clock news on WBSM 1420 AM, and we're sponsored by USA Wealth Group. We are located at 352 Fonts Corner Road in Dartmouth. Our phone number is 508-998-8858. And every week, it's our mission, it's our purpose in doing this show to try to teach something to our listening audience about finances or health or money or things that will affect your family. And we do like to say that our mission is to show you how to protect your family and how to protect your money. And this morning, we are pleased to have with us two very special guests. Uh, The first one, who's a little bit shorter than I am, is attorney Tenny Lance from Lance Law, Inc. Good morning, Tenny. You have to lean up to the microphone. Good morning, everyone. (laughs) You see, she's sitting right now, and I'm standing, so it's a little hard for her to reach up here. I'll keep poking her Mm -hmm. every once in a while. I'm going to give you my microphone. How's that? We can do that, too. Yeah. Whatever works best. But we also have with us a very special guest this morning, Marissa Bresnahan, who is the development office officer, excuse me, for the Alzheimer's Association, Massachusetts and New Hampshire chapter. Mm. You see, our topic this morning is we're going to talk about Alzheimer's, and we'll be talking about dementia, and we're going to talk about some of the impacts of this really horrible disease, and it is a disease. And we're going to be talking about some things that you can do if you have a family member who is an Alzheimer's patient. And then Tenny is going to be addressing some of the things that you might consider doing to protect your family's financial assets if you think you have this issue in your family. Marissa, good morning. Good morning, and thank you for having me. Oh, we're very pleased to have you. And, you know, I told Marissa before the show that, and I told Phil, we're not going to have any difficulty this morning (laughs) with Marissa being able to have things to talk about because Marissa you like to talk don't you? Yes I do and I have a lot to talk about. (laughs) She has a lot to talk about and a lot to say so uh, sit down listen have a cup of coffee but we're going to talk about some things dealing with Alzheimer's what is it are there things that you can do to prevent it and are there things that you can do to help support research to try to find a cure or something that will help uh, take care of Alzheimer's, right? Absolutely. Now, as we broadcast this show on Sunday morning, uh, I would first of all like to say that September is World Alzheimer Awareness Month, and uh, it's also an action day in September. Uh, Yesterday, for example, there was a walk in southeastern Massachusetts, and a lot of people in our own area in southeastern Massachusetts have family members Uh, The purpose of having these kinds of walks, uh, this one was on September 24th, is to help raise awareness about the terrible disease known as Alzheimer's, and then things that you can do to uh, contribute 
and make a difference so we can find a cure for this important disease. Well, Marissa, I'm going to actually start with you this morning. I want to ask you um, a few questions about yourself and your own background. Absolutely. Um, I know you went to school in Virginia, and what was the name of the university you went to? I went to James Madison University in the Shenandoah Valley. Good school. Oh, yeah. And the Shenandoah Valley is a beautiful place, isn't it? Absolutely beautiful. The drive was unlike any other drive. It was about a three-hour drive from my hometown, and it was right through the mountains. Skyline Drive Mm -hmm. is gorgeous. Oh, it's magnificent. I've done that a couple of times with with, uh, Tenny. Mm -hmm. So uh, I I think that's also where you can walk if you're doing the the walk from uh, Georgia to... Um, <laughs> the right. book there, um, but you probably wouldn't be walking uh, on the road. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of trails, especially in that Shenandoah Park in mm-hmm. the Appalachian Mountains, that I know go all the way down to the deep south. Yeah, and they start; they can start all the way up in Pennsylvania That's and go right. all the way down. So, Marissa, why why is it important for you to be working in the job that you're working in? And do you have somebody in your family who has had? An issue with Alzheimer's? Yes. So about three and a half years ago, my mom was diagnosed with younger onset Alzheimer's. And at the time, my family and I didn't really understand what was happening. I have five brothers, and we couldn't figure out why she was acting different than we were what, what we were used to. There was no family history of Alzheimer's in my family. Nothing that really would have indicated that right off for us. Eventually, we she received her proper diagnosis, and it shook up our world a little bit. We didn't know how to react to it, what the next steps were, just really anything. There was no guidance for us. And luckily, around the same time she was diagnosed, within, I would say, a month or two, we received a pamphlet in the mail from the Alzheimer's Association hmm. saying, if you need anything, you know, we're here, we're a resource for you. My parents, so my parents are located in Pennsylvania, okay. and shortly after her diagnosis, I moved home for a little bit, and then I moved to Massachusetts. And we had had some contact with the association, but not a lot of involvement. And when I moved to Massachusetts, I decided that I wanted to jump right in, get as involved as I could, because I was starting to see what an epidemic this disease was, mm. and how particularly among my younger generation, it wasn't acknowledged. So I started volunteering with the Massachusetts, New Hampshire chapter about two years ago. I joined a young professionals committee called Alls Together, and we have a big fundraiser every year that's a flag football game. We call it Rivals, Blondes versus Brunettes. It's a nice, healthy competition between hair colors. (laughs) But your hair is red. I know. I'm a free agent. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. So it's a wonderful fundraiser. We have it every year on May or June in Boston. And I started doing that, and I was being exposed more and more to what the association did. And I saw they did different support groups and programs and services, and advocacy was a big thing they did as well. So I started getting more involved with the advocacy front, and I went to D.C. this past year in April with the chapter and advocated and lobbied right to our senators and our representatives, which was amazing. It was great to be able to be in Senator Markey and Senator Warren's offices and say right to them, you need to support us. This is an epidemic that's occurring not only in your state but across the world, mm-hmm. and we need to bring awareness to it. Well, we have some very famous figures, but let me come back to you for uh, just a moment. So you're now working full-time for the Alzheimer's Association. Yes. And um, what, what was your mother's age again when she was first diagnosed with early onset? My mother was 56. Okay. We started noticing when she was around 52 
that something was wrong, mm-hmm. but couldn't pinpoint it for a what few years. What was it? What were the early, early signs? The early signs. So my mom is very outgoing, very Italian woman, which you would not. I'm very red hair and light skin, so I look nothing like my mother in that sense. But she's very Italian, very outgoing, always wants to make people food, is always chit-chatting. And we started to notice in her social personality certain changes. She's being very blunt and kind of lost her edge of empathy that she always mm-hmm. maintained. And it was, you know, we'd say to her, "What you shouldn't be saying those things in public, let alone to a stranger. Just certain, like, she would say to a woman, your hair color is very ugly. And we would have to run after her and say, no, oh. Mom, you can't say it. Why are you saying that? And so it was things like that. And then she was always very maintained her appearance well. And we started noticing that she was cutting her own hair, that she was getting rid of clothes and wearing clothes from 30 years ago. Hmm. And so it was more so little personality changes like that. And she kept saying, oh, it's fine. It's just a phase I'm going through. And how old is your mom right now, Marissa? She is 59. Okay. And where does she live? She lives in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Okay. Does she live at home? Yes, she does. Okay. Who who helps take care of her? So my dad works full time, and he is very lucky. He is able to maintain and hire hired help to come in for about mm-hmm. 12 hours a day okay. from when he leaves in the morning to when he gets home. And he hires through Home Instead. They're a in-care facility. Mm -hmm. And then he also supplements on hiring outside people on his own. So he'll hold hold interviews for different nursing aides, different people to come in and spend the day with my mom. Well, this is a very expensive process to take care of somebody at home. And I know um, one of the the things that we're doing this morning, we're talking, by the way, with Marissa Bresnahan, who's the development director, development officer for the Alzheimer's Association of Southeastern Massachusetts, People have a long life expectancy when they have Alzheimer's, don't they? They I mean they last for a long time, typically. Typically, yes. There is a difference that I'm starting to understand between younger onset, so anyone under the age of 65, and mm-hmm. anyone over the age of 65. They say that people with younger onset tend to progress quicker. Interesting. Okay. And that people over the age of 65 can sometimes have the disease for up to 10 years. So your mom has been diagnosed for at least three years. Yes. And, but probably had symptoms that she was exhibiting even before then. Yes. Well, I know that Alzheimer's disease uh, typically can progress over anywhere from two years to 20 years. And most individuals will live on an average of eight to 10 years after the time they're diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a huge financial burden for the family, too, isn't it? Yes, I mean, it be- is. Besides the emotional burden. I have to ask you a difficult question. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm asking out of ignorance, and I'm, I'm sort of going to uh, beg your apology in asking this, but um, I've, I've read or I've heard that if you have a parent who has early onset Alzheimer's, that there may be a genetic possibility that somebody else in the family might have it, one of the children. And you've got siblings as well, right? Yes. So this is something I have looked into. Because there is no genetic family history mm-hmm. on my mom's side of the family of Alzheimer's in general or younger onset. So it's a bit of an anomaly with the doctors. They have some trouble trying to connect where she got it from. So I have actually be- visited a geneticist to see if me and my siblings are at risk. I think that's a good plan. Mm-hmm. And one of my brothers is also a doctor. So we, we've talked about it as a family about what our risk could be. Should we get tested back and forth? And we're still kind of in that discussion phase. We're all under, me and all my siblings are under the age of 32. 
So we're all still fairly young enough to where we have another year or two where we can really decide if we all want to do it, if mm-hmm. only a few of us want to do it. And it is something that is that I am concerned about as well as my family. Marissa, so who would uh, a listener go to if they're concerned about whether or not they have uh, Alzheimer's? So what they can do is they can actually go to our website, www.alz.org backslash M-A-N-H. And on there, there's a helpline number, which they can call. That helpline number will direct them to our helpline specialists. And they can let them know, you know, I'm worried. I may have it. My parent may have it. Or I want to be in a study. I want to see a geneticist. Anything of that sort. And our people will give them numbers they can call, a list of doctors, a list of trial matches. We're fortunate enough to live in a state that has great universities that are doing outstanding studies right now. Good. We have a lot of studies at Harvard, Boston University. And if they call that helpline number, we can absolutely direct, put them in the right direction to get them what they need. Okay, we're going to repeat that again. And again, we're talking with Marissa Bresnahan uh, from the Alzheimer's Association of Southeastern Massachusetts. You know, this is such a doubly difficult subject for anybody who's listening today, because if you have a family member or a parent, especially who has experienced this, or, you know, any illness, uh, we all tend to say, I wonder if this is going to impact me at some point in time. For example, I just had a birthday recently, and... I'm very much aware that my father was exactly one year older than I was at the time of his passing. And so for me, psychologically, I'm thinking, I want to get past that one additional year. And I think a lot of people probably, you know, Mm -hmm. think in that direction. But I I suppose it's probably a doubly difficult diagnosis when you have a parent, because you are thinking of genetic possibilities and testing. And this is why it's critically important, ladies and gentlemen, to support the Alzheimer's Association, because like many other illnesses and diseases that we have, at some point in time, there will be a cure, whether it's gene splicing or whatever it happens to be. We're making so many advances. One of the things that I do on on this show every week, uh, Marissa, is I like to give quotations, and a lot of them are funny and ironic But I have to tell you, I couldn't find any funny quotations about Alzheimer's because it's not a funny topic. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to give you a quotation from Maria Shriver, uh, whose husband, uh, Sergeant Shriver, had Alzheimer's. A lot of famous people that we know about. And she said, no matter who you are, what you've accomplished, what your financial situation is, when you're dealing with a parent with Alzheimer's, you yourself feel helpless The parent can't work, can't live alone, and is totally dependent, like a toddler. As the disease unfolds, you don't know what to expect. And uh, we're going to give you some information about some other famous people that have been in the news, such as Ronald Reagan, you know, one of our great presidents, by the way. But um, we have so many things to talk about. So September is Alzheimer's Month, uh, most importantly. Think about it if you're being asked to help support by your neighbors, by your friends who may have a family member uh, who's uh, a victim of this really terrible disease, do your part because sometime it might impact your own family. And one of the interesting statistics about Alzheimer's, uh, which I only found out recently, is that it is the sixth leading cause of death in the country. Mm -hmm. So think about that. We think of heart attacks, we think of cancer and things that you know, cause people to pass away. Alzheimer's is number six 
Uh, that's pretty high on the list. It is. Um, Tenny, I'd like to switch over to you for a minute and ask you, um, you also have had, uh, your mom had issues with the dementia and potentially Alzheimer's, I guess. Yes, she did. She was in a nursing facility for seven years before her death, and uh, we needed to place her there for her own safety. Uh, we were all working, as Marissa said her dad is, and uh, there wasn't anything else that, that we could do, really, to keep her safe, to make sure she had her medications and so forth. But it was a really difficult, long seven years. Um, Marissa, I would ask that you give this uh, site again um, slowly so that people will uh, be able to get it. I, one thing I think that people misunderstand is that Alzheimer's doesn't have a T in it. Yeah. In fact, it's a Z. So would you give the site address again? Absolutely. And I will also give the help number as well. The site address is www.alz.org backslash M-A-N-H. And that M-A-N-H is the Mass New Hampshire chapter. So that's why those initials are after the uh, Alzheimer's organization name, right? Correct. And then our helpline number is 1-800-272-3900. And that is a 24-7 helpline number. Good. That's very helpful. Um, ladies and gentlemen, if, if this is not yet affecting somebody in your family, you may have a friend, you may have a relative, you probably know somebody in your church or wherever you uh, socialize who has been a victim of Alzheimer's disease. It's, it's really, really serious. We uh, just recently had on the news um, that the uh, female coach, the most winning basketball coach or coach of any kind, I think, in the country, Pat Summit, mm -hmm. uh, died at the age of 64 uh, from Alzheimer's. Uh, she had early onset uh, Alzheimer's. Uh, she was a coach for a Tennessee Volunteers. She led them to eight national titles. She was 38 seasons at the university, and she had early onset uh, dementia and early onset Alzheimer's type. She died at the age of 64. So it's a young disease. This is a, a, a real fighter. This is a lady who was, was a very successful basketball coach, sure. the winningest coach in the history of the country. Um, but this nasty, deadly disease took her at the age of 64. So this is something that affects so many lives and so many people. Um, Tenny and I have a member of our church, uh, a woman whose husband is battling this disease right now. And I think it's important that I think Alzheimer's probably has uh, a sense of stigma for a lot of people, doesn't it? People don't think that it's necessarily a disease. They think it's just getting old and uh, you're, you're getting senile and so forth. Yes. And I think that's probably one of the things that you have to fight when you're a development officer for the Alzheimer's Association. It's a disease, ladies and gentlemen. It's, mm -hmm. it's something that a lot of people will suffer from. Um, it's not a normal part of aging, is Correct. it? Correct. And that's what we always say. It's not a normal part of aging. It is a disease. And it is something that cannot be ignored. Right. And the stigma with it is really an unbelievable stigma to see how, and I'm speaking particularly to the younger generation, I would say, anybody who doesn't have a quite older parent yet, does it's not on their radar. Right. And when they hear it, they think, 
again, that's an old person's disease. Yep, it's not something else. I'm concerned about. Right. Somebody yeah. else's family. It's not going to be my family. I don't ever think about that. But let's talk about some of the symptoms because I, I can assure you that there are people listening today who are wondering whether they have a spouse or a family member or a parent who might be showing some uh, kinds of symptoms, for example. So what are some of the things that people might want to look for? So the number one would be memory. And granted, we all have those moments where you, you know, we forgot what we walked into a room for or we forgot where we put our car keys, but it's more than that. It's forgetting really names, really key items that you otherwise wouldn't know. The next would be communication and language, which I had kind of referenced to with my mother. Mm-hmm. You notice either it could be an array of things. It could be a slur in their speech, or it could be that they're just not talking like they used to. Maybe they're having very intense mood swings. Items of that sort that really are not regular to whatever person you are concerned about. The next would be the ability to focus and pay attention. And that's a big one, especially if you notice driving is a big one where you can notice that this is something that is affecting them. If they aren't paying attention while they're driving, if they're running lights, if they're missing stop signs, Mm. that's another one, usually a really big indicator to be aware of. And that's a serious one, too, because sometimes children have to make a decision that it's time for dad to stop driving. Right. Yeah, it's uh, a hard one, too. I know, Tenny, you've had some situations like that. We've actually had to call a local police department and say, uh, this person you know, hit two parked cars today, and they probably shouldn't be driving any longer. Mm-hmm. And so if you have that kind of a situation in your family, ladies and gentlemen, what you can do is instead of you're having to confront your parent and say, I'm taking away your license, I'm taking away your keys, you can contact your local police chief and say, my parent has a problem, they shouldn't be driving anymore, and then the police can go, and they can say, you shouldn't be driving anymore. We've, you know, you've had this incident, and we want to have you, you know, turn in your keys or turn in your license. Uh, we've actually done that before, haven't we, Tenny? Yes, and it's, as Ray said, a very, very difficult thing to do. But it's essential not only for the protection of the public, but for the protection of the person himself. I mean, you don't want someone getting lost or having... Uh, concern about where they are, any of that. And we've had uh, family members ourselves who have done that. They've gone out for a walk, and then they couldn't remember how to get back to their house again. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes this is people who are under the age of 70. So symptoms, if we're looking for symptoms, if you have concerns in your family, um, what should somebody do? Should they take the person to a doctor? Should they Uh, get some uh, literature from your organization? Again, I would say call the helpline number. Okay. Because you can call the helpline number for anything. They'll listen. They'll talk to you about any concern, any any whim that you have, as small as it is, as big as it is. Mm-hmm. And they will really fine-tune what you need. Okay. So if you call them and you say, I think my mother may have Alzheimer's, I'm worried about her driving, what do you suggest? They will pull together information for you. And they will mail it to you. And then they will also refer you. They will give you a list of doctors in your area, specifically neurologists, and say, look at these doctors, see if you can get a reference from your primary doctor, and we can go from there kind of deciding what the next steps are. What's the best pronunciation for the word? I tend to put a T in it and call it Alzheimer's, but it's really Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's. Yes. So 
I've learned how to pronounce it better today. I'd like to remind you that you're listening to USA Wealth Group, um, brought to you uh, every Sunday morning. Our show is Money Wise, and we are located at 352 Fonts Corner Road. We're going to come back in a few minutes after a break, and we're going to continue our discussion with Marissa Bresnahan uh, from the Alzheimer's Association of Southeastern Massachusetts and also with attorney Tenny Lance. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about what are some of the things that you could do to protect yourself with legal documents while you still have mental capacity to do it. And then we're going to talk a little bit about some things that you might want to consider doing to protect financial assets or how are you going to pay if somebody in your family has Alzheimer's did I pronounce that right, finally? Alzheimer's. Yep, you Alzheimer's. got it. Alzheimer's. <laughs> okay. So uh, we're going to come back. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, you're listening to Money Wise. We're going to come back in one minute and continue with our important topic of Alzheimer's. <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Money Wise, brought to you every week by USA Wealth Group. We have two special guests this morning. We have Marissa Bresnahan who's the Development Officer and Development Director for the Alzheimer's Association of Southeastern Massachusetts. Welcome back, Marissa. Thank you. And we have with us also Attorney Tenny Lance. Welcome back, Tenny. Thank you. Glad to be here as usual. Tenny, tell folks where you're located and what your specialization is. Our office is located at 352 Fonts Corner Road in Dartmouth. That's... Um, just north of the mall and across the street from the Vanity Fair outlet. Um, we specialize in estate planning, in special needs planning, in uh, any kind of long-term care planning and so forth. So please contact us at 508-998-8800 if you think we could be of help. Our topic this morning, uh, ladies and gentlemen, and we want to continue talking about Alzheimer's disease, and it is a disease. It's a condition. It affects um, one in nine people over the age of 65 will have Alzheimer's disease. I'm going to continue to put the T in there, aren't, yeah. aren't I? Um, and one in three seniors will die as a result of some form of dementia or Alzheimer's. The statistics are really very staggering, and so is the cost. The cost is enormous. Could I ask Marissa something? Sure. Um, is Alzheimer's a stage of dementia or the other way around, or how are they different? So Alzheimer's is a type of dementia. So the Alzheimer's Association is Alzheimer's and other dementia-related diseases. So the way it's explained is dementia is the overhanging umbrella. Everything starts as dementia. Now it can go into different, I would say, different types of dementia. Alzheimer's is the biggest type of dementia. There are other types. There are Lewy body dementia, which Robin Williams had. There is frontal temporal dementia, where it affects the front part of your brain. And there are quite a few other smaller ones as well. So there are different forms of dementia, and Alzheimer's is a form of dementia, and it is the largest form of dementia. Okay, so dementia is the more broad category, which can include a lot of things. You mentioned Robin Williams. What kind of dementia yes. did he have? So he had Lewy body dementia. Okay, I've heard that before. Yes, and he, and that's, I believe he also had Parkinson's. Mm -hmm. And so I, the speculation is that he had received his diagnosis of Lewy body dementia prior to his unfortunate death. But that is something that they had discovered that he had had. 
Well, I think it's useful, again, to remind our listening audience that there are many things that uh, we have tend to, tended to stigmatize in the past. Alcoholism, well, you know, why can't you just stop drinking? Or drug addiction, why can't you just stop taking drugs? Or what if you go see a psychiatrist or a psychologist? Does this mean something's wrong with you? Or do you have an illness? What about stress-related symptoms from folks coming back from combat, as an example? And I would, I would almost put Alzheimer's in the same category, that it's something that has had a stigma attached to it in the past. But I think finally we're recognizing in this country that there are many afflictions that people have that are treatable afflictions, whether it's a mental illness, whether it's an alcohol or drug dependency. They ought to be regarded as things that are treatable, and Alzheimer's is really in the same category. Correct. I guess one of the things with Alzheimer's, though, is that it's very much progressive, isn't it? You don't get better from having treatment. Correct. And I think that's why the stigma is attached to it, because there is no cure for it yet, and it only gets worse, is how a lot of people see it. I'd like to read a quotation from uh, Patty Davis, who's the daughter of our president, Ronald Reagan. And she said about Ronald Reagan, my father started growing very quiet as Alzheimer's started claiming more of him. The early stages of Alzheimer's are the hardest because that person is aware that they're losing awareness. And I think that's why my father started growing more and more quiet. So it's, it's a very difficult situation. But I want to give you a quotation also from Nancy Reagan, uh, Ronald Reagan's wife, and she said, when people say you have Alzheimer's, you have no idea what Alzheimer's is. You know it's not good. You know there's no light at the end of the tunnel. That's the only way you can go. But you really don't know anything about it, and you don't know what to expect. Um, again, it was kept fairly quiet in the Reagan household for a long time. Uh, he was kept fairly much at home. Mm -hmm. But it does last for an unusually long, long time. So we're talking with Attorney Tenny Lance this morning and with Marissa Bresnahan, um, who's the Development Director from the Alzheimer's Association. Tenny, I'd like to ask you... If you think about the fact that somebody might be diagnosed with this horrible illness at some point, what should they be doing before they get to that point? What kind of documents should they create? Well, as we always say in the office, uh, virtually everyone, including those who may have dementia or Alzheimer's, should have certain documents to protect themselves and their family over time. And these documents are what we call basic documents. Everyone should have a will and or a trust. Everyone should have a durable power of attorney for property because that importantly will allow an agent to act on your behalf with regard to your property and can keep you away from the court process of conservatorship. Everybody also should have health care documents, whether it's a health care power of attorney or a so-called HIPAA form and a living will. And so all of these documents are very important to get in place while it's possible to do it. And I'm going to echo that a little bit on the financial side of things because just as it's very important to do legal documents so that somebody can take care of you if you have a need, uh, it's just as important to take a look at your financial plan and your financial arrangements. As an example, we do a lot of work with life insurance, and sometimes I'll tell people, 
Well, you might not think you need life insurance now, but what if you had to spend all of your assets down for a provider to take care of you at home? You could go through all of your assets. But if you had a life insurance policy on the side, and maybe it's owned by an insurance trust as an example, then that's an asset that can never be taken away. So on the one hand, if you ended up having to spend down your financial assets for caregivers, you're still going to have a life insurance policy that's protected that will benefit your family when you're gone. So there are many, many decisions. We're not going to have a great deal of time to go into all the different choices. The most important message is uh, you really need to take time to have proper legal documents in place because life is hazard. We don't know what's going to happen. And coming back to Marissa, Marissa Bresnahan again from the Alzheimer's Association. Marissa, you um, mentioned that your mom is now 59 and she was diagnosed at the age of 56 with early onset dementia and and Alzheimer's. Um, Does she have other physical things that are wrong with her? Um, She, I I believe the only other issue she has is low blood pressure, which tends to affect her that sometimes she passes out. But it's unrelated to the disease. But that is really the only other, I would say, health issue she has. Alzheimer's-wise, she still is pretty mobile. She still can move around. And this is probably true for a lot of people who are afflicted with Alzheimer's, isn't it? That it's their mind that's diseased, it's the mind that's going, but the body can continue to function for a very long time. And therefore, you need to have resources in place, especially financial resources and legal documents, that will help take care of this person. So I have to tell you my story about my own mother. Um, My mom had dementia. She lived with us for 16 years with Tenny and myself. We had a little guest cottage out back that she lived in. Um, Used to be a chicken coop that was converted into a one-bedroom apartment. So I always told her she lived in the chicken coop. (laughs) But she started talking to the television set. And I would go into her little apartment, and she would turn to the television, and she would try to introduce me to the man on the television. (laughs) And... You know, at first it was funny and all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And then she turned on a light bulb one day, a a lamp, and the light bulb flashed and burned out, as it happens sometimes. And she panicked and thought there was a fire, and she called the fire department. So we had the town of Dartmouth Fire Department volunteers drive their trucks all over my grass because they had to answer a fire call. And then a couple of times she forgot she had things on the stove, So we realized that she was becoming a danger to herself. And eventually she spent some time in Hathaway Manor Nursing Home. But she was fairly high-functioning, so after a number of months, she was trying to help all the patients in Hathaway Manor. Mm -hmm. Um, She tried to come home. She kept packing up her suitcase, so we took her suitcase away so she couldn't pack it up. Then she borrowed some boxes, and she put her belongings in boxes because she said she was going to go home. I mean, it it was... It was difficult. It was sad. Uh, We moved her to a a place up in Central Mass as an assisted living facility because she was fairly high-functioning still. And then after about a year there, she ended up uh, the balance of her life at the Masonic Home in Charlton, Mass, a nursing home. And she got progressively worse. Um, By the way, she ate two breakfasts every single day because they had For the early risers, they had a little of buffet stuff. You could go have breakfast, and they had a regular sit-down breakfast. And she quickly gained about 30 pounds because she would go to both breakfasts every (laughs) single day. 
And when I would go there, she would be very proud. She would recognize who I was, and she would say, this is my son, this is my son. And one day, I, I stood right in front of her. I had my hands on her shoulders, and I said, what's my name, Mom? And she just looked at me. Mom, what's my name? And, you know, sometimes when somebody has Alzheimer's or dementia, you think, well, if I can just talk a little louder, I'm going to get through to them. Mm -hmm. So that's what I was doing stupidly. <laughs> and I said it about three times. I said, what's my name, Mom? And she looked at me, and she said, dummy. <laughs> And I laughed, and I gave her a big hug, and I knew that she no longer could remember my name. Mm. And I said, I'm never going to do that to torture oh, my mother wow, again. Man. What a story. But it's, it's the things that we do when we're mm -hmm. trying to get through to somebody's brain, and we can't, can mm -hmm. we? It's a, yeah. it's a horrible, nasty you know, illness. Ray, I noticed you said dementia. Marissa, is there a difference between dementia and Alzheimer's? Yes. So dementia is the overhanging, I, would, I, I call it the umbrella. <laughs> and dementia is what everybody has, is the baseline of what they describe the disease. Now, there are different forms of dementia. And Alzheimer's is the biggest form of dementia. And then there's, as we had said, Lewy body dementia. There's frontotemporal dementia. There are different types of dementia. And now dementia is the shrinking of the brain. And each little, each disease of dementia specifies what type of the brain or perhaps what's causing it. So Alzheimer's is the biggest. I'm, I'm probably going to mess up the statistic here, but I believe 90% of dementia cases are Alzheimer's specific. Okay. And then there's about a 10% of different other sort of very specific dementia diseases. Mm -hmm. So, But they're becoming more and more prevalent, and there's more awareness for the other diseases because diagnosis is being done more correctly. Well, the interesting thing about us being here today, ladies and gentlemen, is that uh, Marissa Bresnahan and Tenny and myself have all had situations involving our own mothers with dementia and, and or Alzheimer's. And my grandmother. So it's very, very common. It's very common, common among women as yeah. well. My grandmother would water the uh, plastic flowers, so you know we thought that that was cute. But well, Tenny's mother baked cupcakes one day and put metallic glitter on top of the cupcakes <laughs> instead of the little sprinkles <laughs> that you can eat. Mm -hmm. Remember that, Tenny? <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, and then you start to realize that somebody needs help. So be on the lookout for symptoms. Let me ask a question, because I think this would have to be a question that everybody's thinking about today. What can you do to prevent dementia or prevent Alzheimer's? Some of the basic things that we might be able to do. I know I have interest in that. Mm -hmm. So there are a few things that they say right now that can be done. Basic keeping yourself healthy is really a big one. You know, They call it the Mediterranean diet, so sticking with your omega-3s, your salmon, your, your olive oil, your olives, the different type of diets they find that that type of diet is brain healthy. Mm. So you'll see the term brain healthy foods. Does, does Mediterranean food also include Greek food? Yes. Can, so I, Greek. can I put some feta cheese with those olives? Yes. You can get very creative with it. <laughs> Tomatoes. And they say red wine. Not well, a red wine and small. You have my red wine. Maybe not the whole bottle. <laughs> Tenny is a big fan of red wine. Yes. 
So Phil's raising his hand over here for olives, and Tenny's raising her hand for red wine. <laughs> so they say, that's it, they say brain-healthy foods. And there's if you just do a simple Google search, you can come up with a whole list of brain-healthy anti-inflammatory foods that are really rich in omega-3s and different fats, healthy fats. So avocado, another one. Mm. May not be quite Mediterranean, but again, has properties in it that are healthy for your brain. Well, my most important piece of advice this morning is get off your butt. <laughs> yes. Get out and do something. You know, walk. Walking yeah. is the simplest thing you can mm-hmm. do. It's good exercises. It keeps the circulation going. Exactly. Um, but then be careful what you eat. Drink more red wine, mm-hmm. as Tenny says. Read a good book. <laughs> Read a good do book. Do some crossword puzzles yeah. and keep act- Keep socially active. Yeah, and don't be zoned out on television all the time because it's such garbage on television mm-hmm. anyway, right? But do things that are stimulating, mm-hmm. you know, so... Well, um, the work that you do is very, very significant, yes, thank uh, Marissa. You. And uh, you have a mission, too, because it's right now something which is impacting your own mother and your own family. And uh, But I'm certain that there are many, many people out there today who think that, you know, maybe it's time that I have to take some action with a family member. So, again, what number might they call to get information or to ask questions? Sure. So our helpline number is 1-800-272-3900. Now that number is 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They can call in our main office, our headquarters in Chicago. If it's after hours, that's where the phone call goes. And they'll talk to you. They'll figure out what you need. And they will redirect your information to our local chapter. And then someone from our local chapter will follow up. Now, if you call during business hours between 9 and 5, you will always get someone from your local chapter. Okay, that's good. And, you know, most importantly, if you get a request to participate in a walk, make a contribution, do something, because it might be your parent next or it might be you next. Uh, The other thing I'm going to mention, this is a little bit of a political statement, but it doesn't involve any political parties. Every once in a while... Uh, there's opposition in Congress about funding money for stem cell research. So I'd like to read a quotation. Stem cell research means it's basic financial money that gets spent on doing research to help find genetic cures for various kinds of diseases. So this is a person named Ross DeLauro who said, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, brain and spinal cord disorders, diabetes, cancer, and at least 58 diseases could potentially be cured through stem cell research, diseases that touch every family in America and in the world. So if you ever see something where it's coming up for a vote on stem cell research, tell your congressman, your senator, to vote in favor of stem cell research. It's the only way we're going to find some cures. Um, I'm going to mention one other piece of advice, and this came from Nancy Reagan, uh, talking about her husband, Ronald Reagan. With Alzheimer's patients, you have to be very careful what you say when you're looking at them over their bed, because once in a while they understand it. <laughs> but it's true. And it's like my mother. You know, I tried to communicate sure. with my mother. Uh, she knew enough to know that I was her son, mm-hmm. but she couldn't penetrate right. far enough to know my name. Um, so there's there are different levels of understanding and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And the last quote I want to give you about Alzheimer's is, People do not realize that Alzheimer's is not old age. It is a progressive and fatal disease, and staggering amounts of people develop Alzheimer's every day. So do your part, ladies and gentlemen. Tenny, uh, very quickly, tell people how to get in touch with you to make sure they have legal documents in place. 
Well, the easiest thing is to call our phone number on, in Dartmouth, and that number is 508-998-8800. And our initial appointments are all free, so if you would like to come in for a discussion, we would be happy to meet with you. One thing I would like to ask Marissa, there's um, some information about Alzheimer's that says that investment in dementia cures or prevention is very low. Do you have any statistics about that? So nationwide, it's actually, it's on the rise, but I don't have any exact statistics right now, but we look at it in comparison to how a lot of, like we had said before, Alzheimer's is the number six killer right now of diseases. And if you look at the top five killing diseases, the amount of funding they receive and amount of fundraising that is done is far surpasses what is currently being done with the with Alzheimer's in general. We are on the rise. We've just had some recent bills, some recent funding done, but we're still severely underfunded com- in comparison to the other top five diseases. That's really interesting because, you know, it has the potential. Alzheimer's has the potential to... Um, have a person live for a very long time, and that means the medical costs are going to last for a long time too, aren't they? Yes. So there are some statistics, give me one moment, about the medical cost with Alzheimer's, especially the long-term care. There's one that about $5,000 a year is spent by families on Alzheimer's care. Now, that is the general statistic. I personally think it's a lot higher. I know it's I a lot so, higher. Sure. Yeah. Just, just from dealing with it on a personal basis, as I'm sure you do as well. Mm-hmm. That is the median of it, that families who are dealing with Alzheimer's and taking care of a loved one spend $5,000 at least a year. Now, that is, and that could be, I mean, that could be tuition, that could be schooling or different forms of schooling, meals, that could take away from a large part of the family's funding that they need or that is vital to their survival. Tenny, mm. what is the cost for uh, nursing home care right now in our area? Well, from uh, from what we know, the average daily cost is somewhere between four hundred and seventy and four hundred and ninety dollars a day, which is absolutely remarkable. Uh, it's over fourteen thousand dollars a month, um, well over a hundred thousand dollars a year. Uh, just staggering, just to give people basic care. And if somebody is interested, obviously everybody's interested in the financial, I mean, in the personal side of this and the medical side of this, but if somebody's interested in protecting assets, I know you do something sometimes called an IOT, an irrevocable income-only trust. Does that have to be in place for a while? Yes. In order to protect assets from a nursing facility, as, as people are concerned about, uh, there has to be a five-year ahead Um, action taken. So if you wish to protect your home, for example, and place it in an irrevocable trust, you would need to do that five years before you expect to have any need for Medicaid assistance. And the, the message here is to start early and possibly even as early as when you first find symptoms then, isn't it? You want to be able to get documents in place while people still have mental capacity to do documents. There are a few other financial things I'll mention really quickly and not to spend any time because we're nearing the end of our, our hour with you folks. Um, you can put assets in children's names sometimes. There's pros and cons. You should get legal assistance before you do that. 
Long-term care insurance might be a solution. That becomes very expensive as people get older. Uh, I mentioned earlier possibly setting up a life insurance policy, but you have to do that earlier while people still qualify for life insurance. And they will give a mental exam too. And you could be in perfectly good health and think, well, I'm going to put a life insurance policy on an older parent. If they can't answer basic questions like, who's the president of the United States and what day is it, uh, they won't even get insurance in the first place. So you've got to do it early. Let's let Marissa summarize um, how people might be able to help with Alzheimer's since September is Alzheimer's Month. So September is Alzheimer's Month, and it's the month that we have all of our walk to end Alzheimer's in. Unfortunately, they have all passed as of today, but it is our biggest annual fundraiser, and we stretch it out all year. You can start teams, you can start funding, and we actually have fundraising for our walks through the end of October. So if you still want to join, absolutely. There are different other fundraisers throughout the year as well, and they are all listed on our website. And tell me the website one last time. The website is www.alz.org backslash M-A-N-H. And if you can't remember all that, just give us a call at our office, 508-998-8858. We'll be happy to provide that information. So... Marissa, thank you so much for being with yes. us this morning. And thank you for having me. Tenney, Attorney Tenney Lance, thank you for being with us this morning. I'm going to close with one last quote, uh, which I think describes you, Marissa. It's from a person named Lisa Gibbons. Alzheimer's caregivers are heroes. You are a hero. Thank you. Thank you for listening, ladies and gentlemen. Stay tuned next week. <laughs>